Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And today, we're going to be talking about, well, the first little bit of the fruits of the Spirit. And we're going to talk a little bit about our preferences around, uh, you know, what fruit is your go-to when you yeah. go to the grocery store? I like it. Stay tuned. Welcome back. My name is Lucas. And I'm Marcus. And uh, we're so glad that you're here with us today. And as promised, because we're going into a series uh, that's about the fruit of the Spirit, we're calling it uh, Markers of Maturity. Mm -hmm. And we thought it would be kind of fun to talk a little bit about our fruit preferences. Yes. And so we're going to ask you to be involved in this too. So in the comments, please just follow along. Let us know what you think on some of these fruits. But but I'm going to ask you, Marcus, first thing, yeah. is there a fruit that is like, if there was like between one and 10, this would be like a zero okay. in your estimation, a yes. fruit that you do not like, you do not enjoy in any way, shape or form. Okay. This is, might be a controversial one because it is very popular right now, but I really, really hate dragon fruit. Oh, okay. People are like in love with dragon fruit and it just tastes like airy nothing. Like it doesn't really taste like much. It like the the pink ones, like the patayas, are like super cool looking. They're really awesome, but they just like taste like nothing. And so I don't want that. Hmm. So that's that's probably my least favorite one. Wow. Yep. Okay. Uh, for me, it's it's more the practical. I do like this fruit. It's just if it only came in this one way, I probably would never eat it. Right. And that would be pomegranate. Oh, yeah. It's just so much work. It is a lot of work, you're right. Costco has these great little like ones that are yeah. already like seeded out and it's in a little container. I'll like, do that all day like long. Like the papery, like white thing. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, I just don't have the time. No, so there. pomegranate would be on the bottom of my list for yep. just getting at it. Um, so what is your, what is the most exotic fruit you've ever had? I mean, you're, you, <coughs> you already spoke to some exotic fruit already, I but. Know. Uh, I think probably the most exotic fruit I had was a was a fresh guava. Okay. It's like wrinkly on the outside and green, but like pink if it's <laughs> like really ripe. Um, but I had a guava on the flight I th on a flight to Taipei. I think they gave me a little like box of fruit, and so it was really good. Like huh. you know you have guava juice and it's like a popular thing, but I had never actually seen what a real like actual guava looks like, and so that's probably the most exotic fruit I've had. Nice. Um, our family, we do these things where if we see, um, mm -hmm. if we see a weird fruit that we've never seen before in the grocery store, uh, we have this tradition where we buy it and then we all like gather around the kitchen and we try to open it up, cut it up, and then we eat it at the same time. Um, so like everything from dragon fruit to star fruit to, um, kind of, yeah, that kind of stuff off the top of my head. I can't even, I can't even remember the names of some of the stuff that we've eaten. That is a great practice though. That's fun. It's, it's I, kind I of our that. adventurous uh, palate moments. Yeah. It like transports you. Yeah. yeah. It's great. So final question, and I hope you're playing along with us in the comments, everyone. Uh, what is the fruit that is just your go-to? It's your staple fruit. Every time you go to the grocery store, this is what you pick up for home. Oh, it would have to be like a 
I don't know if I could pick one. It'd have to be like a, a toss up between apples and bananas, but I'm a little bit of an apple snob. So it has to be like a very specific type of apple. So, okay, let's get into that. What kind okay. of apple? Like my favorite, favorite apple is a Honeycrisp apple. Always mm. good. And they're huge. Like I always, when I go to the grocery store, this is so lame, but it's my goal to find the biggest Honeycrisp apple I can find to buy it. So that's my top one. I would say apple would be the same for me. Yep. And it's always, we always have apples in the house. Yep. Uh, my go-to though, I like that bitter, sour, uh, Granny Smith kind of mm -hmm. crunch. Well, speaking of fruit, everybody, thanks for joining us. And we're gonna turn it over to Pastor Lisa, who uh, is kind of gonna get, get a little more serious yeah. on us and talk about the fruits of the spirit. Enjoy. When was the last time that you tried something new? I'm thinking more hobby than food. If I am really honest, this is my confession to you all, I don't like trying new things. I really don't like being a beginner. You know that <laughs> like feeling when you're a beginner and you're making more mistakes than you are successes? I don't do that feeling well. And so if I'm really honest, there are things that I avoid even trying um, unless I'm sure that I'm gonna be fairly good off the bat. How about you? Are you a good beginner? Well, there's a quote by John Acuff that has really been challenging me in my thoughts of starting new things. And John Acuff says this, be brave enough to be bad at something new. Here's why this matters. I wonder how often we get caught up in the trap of Christian perfectionism where we have pre-decided that a good Christian does blank. You fill it in. And we get stuck when we feel like this whole maturity thing, uh, looking more and more like Jesus every day, isn't happening fast enough, or maybe isn't happening as fast as it is for blank. <laughs> you fill in that name. And when that happens, I wonder, how often our Christian maturity, our Christian perfectionism, I should say, of pre-deciding what maturity looks like, has us tempted to manufacture synthetic fruit of the Spirit. I wonder how often it happens that that synthetic fruit of the Spirit leads us so frustrated and so exhausted that we're tempted to throw in the towel and say that this Christianity thing isn't real or at the very least, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. For honest, we're kind of bad beginners. We're bad newbies. And the frustration of feeling like we should be further along than we are can often lead us to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit. The danger there is that there's a tension with the fruit of the Spirit. The very essence of them is something that we cannot conjure up or manufacture in our own lives. In fact, J.R. Stott wrote, this is the Christian conflict, fierce, bitter, and unremitting. Moreover, it is a conflict in which by himself, the Christian simply cannot be victorious. Whew. <laughs> the reality with Christian maturity is this isn't a try harder or practice more often so that you become blank kind of thing. 
Christian maturity comes with being in step with the Spirit. And that's why the fruit of the Spirit is something that we can't manufacture on our own. It's something that has to be produced in us by the Holy Spirit. It has to be produced in us as we walk in step with Him. It has to be produced in us as we live lives surrendered and in proximity with God. And so this morning, are we brave enough to accept the reality that we are going to be beginners? We're going to be works in progress. Are we brave enough to accept the fact that our faith journey and maturity in our life is going to look different than maturity in someone else's? Are we brave enough to trust the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do and relinquish our own white-knuckled grip on the steering wheel of our own lives? Well, let's pray and then we're going to dive into the fruit of the Spirit. God, I thank you so much that you have promised to create this fruit within us. And we know that the vine that is attached to you produces fruit. And so would you help us to take account of the places where maybe if we're not producing fruit, or maybe we've become detached from you, or we've stepped out of sync with your spirit in our lives. And this morning, as we look at the first few fruit of the spirit, would you help us just to take stock of what is present in our lives and what's absent and, and use these as markers of maturity. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the spirit of truth and that you bring truth to our lives. And so would you help us to lean in to what you're gonna speak this morning? Allow my words to float away, but would you speak? We wanna hear your voice, God, in your precious name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We're going to camp out here for the next couple of weeks. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to help you get one. Head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible. myevangel.church forward slash Bible. But right now, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now, you may know this through a song or if you listen to Go Fish with your kids through a rap, um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, in your translation, you might have forbearance instead of patience. That's okay, same meaning. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These nine beautiful qualities that can be imitated but not replicated in our lives. And I love how God gives us these markers of maturity, these benchmarks to look for, to see whether we're progressing in our faith whether we're staying in step with him, because in step with him is really the only way that these are going to grow in our lives. So we're gonna dive into the first four this morning. We're gonna move a little bit quick, so stay with me, um, and then we'll wrap up the next five next week. I think I said four, maybe I said five. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So I love love. That is our first fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are love. And I especially love young love. It's so fun to watch two individuals finding each other and falling into love with each other. I love young love. But there's this amazing superpower that love has. This superpower is that it has the ability to make the giver willing to do almost anything 
for the receiver. Follow me for a moment. I want you to think of all the places we see this played out. I want you to think about the dads dancing ballet just to please their daughters. I want you to think about the extravagant romantic acts, about moms who are willing to be goalies so their child can practice their trick shots. I want you to think about friends who drop everything for other friends in moments of need. We see that love is an incredible motivator and its superpower is that it gives the uh, giver the ability to do almost anything for the receiver. Still, all the types of love that I just mentioned fall short of agape love. In those examples, we saw storge and eros and philia loves, and these are the natural loves that come out of a relationship. Romantic love, friendship, familial love, and all of those are anchored to us. They rise and fall based on our needs and desires. They're good things. <laughs> they still motivate us to care for each other. They still motivate good things, good behaviors. They motivate uh, closeness in relationship. But the love of God, agape love, brings us one step further. Agape love is not anchored to us at all. It isn't dictated by our relationships or by our emotions. It is dictated out of our will. This love isn't a love that uh, gets poured out on those that are closest to us. In fact, this love seeks only the best for everyone around us, even those who are actively willing us harm. Wow, <laughs> that is a different kind of love. And this is a love that can't be changed based on our circumstances or situations because it isn't something that we can actually produce at all. Those other loves, Storge and Eros and Philia, they are they're outpourings of our relationships with people. They're something that does, it bubbles up within us and, and we pour out love on those that, that we have a relationship with. Agape is the opposite. Agape is a love that can only come through Christ in us, through the Holy Spirit, refining us to look more and more like Jesus. And just like Storge, Eros, and Philia, agape love is a powerful motivator. Agape love is the love birthed by Jesus. And, and that's the love that's led missionaries to share Jesus in the face of certain death. It's what allows us to turn the other cheek. It's what allows us to bless and pray for those who persecute us. It's when the heart of God is transplanted in our own agape love is something that we can't, we can't conjure, we can't create, we can't practice um, until we have it. This is something that can only be produced by staying step in step with the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about agape love for a moment. In John 5 verses 9 to 13, Jesus is speaking and he uses the word agape in all of where we hear love, it is agape love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Think of what Jesus' love compelled him towards. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is agape love. This is that powerful motivator. Agape love that will compel us to stay in right relationship with God. Agape love that will propel us to obey his commands. Agape love that compels us to love like he loves. Other loves are imitations, but they can never be replicated with our, within our own lives because we don't have the ability to do this. We aren't able to love like Jesus loves without him. This agape Christ in me love is only through the transplant of God's heart for humanity into my heart for the world. And it is what motivates us to love like he loves that beautiful, sacrificial, servant-hearted love. Galatians 5.22, it goes on to joy. And the word here for joy is chara. And this is a deep-seated joy. Once again, it's a joy that is not anchored to me. And this is important because happiness is anchored to me. And we live in a world obsessed with happiness, don't we? We have become absolutely uh, consumed by this pursuit of happiness. In fact, does it make me happy is often one of the last questions we ask in decision making. It's kind of our trump card. This no longer makes me happy. I quit. This makes me happy. I'm pursuing that. The problem with the synthetic fruit of the spirit, happiness versus joy, is that happiness is one of the most fleeting emotions. If we chase after happiness, we're going to find it elusive. Because happiness is an amazing byproduct and a terrible goal. Chara's foundation, joy, is anchored around God. Happiness anchored around us. Chara or joy is anchored around God. And so it won't be much of a surprise to know that the joy in the verses that we just read about in John from verse 11 is this word chara. I have told you this. I've told you about the love that the Father has, but how I'm showing that to you here in bodily form. I'm telling you that if you remain in my love and you remain in his love, I'm telling you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's this chara joy. It's a joy whose foundation is our relationship with Jesus. It's this joy that's unwavering, unlike happiness, which is elusive. It's this joy that's unwavering because God is unwavering. God is unchanging. Unlike us and our emotions and our whims and our desires and our wants, they are constantly coming and going. God never changes. And so when we anchor our joy to him, our joy never changes. It's not dependent on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's anchored to something far firmer. That's why we can read in the Bible with all confidence that we should rejoice in our sufferings. That seems odd, but it's because our joy, our rejoicing is linked to something far deeper than the circumstances that we're walking through in the here and now. 
It's based on the unchanging character of God. And it's based on recognizing that he's here with us in this moment, good or bad. And it shifts our perspective from what we feel like in a given moment to what we know to be true. And that joy, when it's anchored to God, when it's anchored to what we know to be true about him, that he is good, that he is faithful, that he never fails, that he is for us, that he is trustworthy, that he is mighty, that he is compassionate. When our joy is anchored to that, no matter what comes in the here and now, we can cling to joy and it shifts our perspective. It takes our eyes off of our current circumstances, places them firmly on God, and that joy, like in Nehemiah, becomes our strength. It's a Christ in us joy. This is something that we can't manufacture. We have to have a deep revelation of God only by the Holy Spirit. It's deeper than happy because it's not anchored to us. It's anchored to who God is. And that kind of joy doesn't waver. And that kind of joy keeps our eyes firmly on who God is. And that is something we can rejoice in no matter what happens in this life. I love how all of these words are intertwined and how we see them kind of wrap around each other within scripture. And our next fruit of the spirit is peace. And then we have chara joy, which is because of the foundation of agape love, the, the God love and the knowledge of who God is and how he desires a relationship with us. And that chara joy um, allows us to have joy in the midst of all these circumstances because it's solid, because we have a firm foundation through agape love of who God is and the relationship that we have with him. And that kind of comes and it undergirds this next fruit of the spirit of peace. And in the Greek, this peace is Irene, and it's a peace that's not just a lack of conflict, but also the comfort of being under a good and capable government. A good and, and capable and compassionate leader. And I kind of found that fascinating because so often I want peace to be birthed out of a lack of conflict. But I can have this peace out of a trust that God is in control out of the trust that God is good, out of the trust that he's holding me. And in John 14, as Jesus is getting ready to leave the disciples, he's kind of, he's giving them this fore, <laughs> foreshadowing, this information about what's going to happen. And he's telling them that he's going to leave and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he gives them this statement in John 14, 27. Peace, Irene, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace. In the face of trouble? Yeah, absolutely. Also in the face of confusion, in the face of doubt, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of fear, we have this peace because, again, it is anchored in the truth of who God is is that he is in control, that he is unchanging, that he is for us, that he is faithful, that he is trustworthy. And so we anchor our peace to him, to Christ in us, to who he is and what our world looks like with him in control. 
We have this peace when we surrender. That's hard. <laughs> it's hard for me to surrender and place my complete trust in God. I think that has been something that this last 15 months has really been refining. Do I trust you, Lord? Do I trust you? Am I willing to stay in step with you? Will I allow you to be the anchor for my soul, firm and secure, so that I don't feel adrift, but that I can know the firm foundation of peace? And that brings us to our very favorite of all the fruit of the spirits, patience <laughs> or forbearance if your Bible translation lists that. Oh, it is not my favorite. In fact, I read a joke the other week that I thought kind of perfectly summed up my feelings on patience. Bless me with patience, not opportunities to be patient. I've had plenty of those and they don't seem to be working the actual patience. And I thought, how often is that kind of my prayer with God? Or we'll joke, don't pray for patience. Whatever you do, just don't pray for it. Because often then we find ourselves in places and situations where the Holy Spirit is refining patience within us. Well, the Greek word for patience is a makrothumia, and it means large-souled. And just like there's this cultural context of Irene peace, of this peace that comes from knowing that you are under um, a good and kind and compassionate leader, uh, there's a cultural context to this word as well, this patience. And it was used of the Romans, and it's a conquering kind of patience. With their makrothumia, they were able to conquer much of the ancient world. They didn't settle. They continued to persevere until they had expanded their borders to the level that they wanted to. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about peace and patience in my life, I can start thinking about the synthetic fruit of passivity. You know, passivity often feels like peace and patience. I just bite my tongue. I just don't rock the boat. I count to 10. I just wait and this too shall pass. And, and it can kind of feel like it's peace and patience, but, but it's not. The patience that we're called to isn't one of passivity. It's one of restrained strength. It's the grit to carry on in the face of resistance. It's the grit to open our hearts and to forgive and to bear uh, the stressors of another person. Like we're called to bear each other's burdens. And patience requires incredible strength where passivity only requires silence. And that's why this is something that the Holy Spirit has to do because on my own, I actually don't have the strength to bear another person's burdens. I can barely carry my own, thank you very much. And so the Holy Spirit has to create and produce this fruit with us. The fruit of the Spirit requires a strength we don't have on our own. It requires the restraint that whenever our feelings are hurt or our preferences have been walked on or we find ourselves in the middle of conflict, that we carry on, not so that we push our own will through, but we carry on in the spirit of agape love, of wanting the best for the other no matter what. That we carry on with chara joy, where, where we have that deep-seated 
joy that anchors us in the truth of who God is, that we carry on in Irene peace, knowing that God is in control, knowing that he's going to lead us to what is good and right to restoration in this situation. And he gives us this ability to respond in grace, to be large-souled, to uh, work towards what is right. It's an ability that I actually don't have on my own because left to me, what is right looks very selfish. But the Holy Spirit, with his discernment, with his voice leading us forward, he helps us steer clear of those messes that our own self-centeredness would lead us into. And his patience leads us toward reconciliation. His patience leads us towards his heartbeat for humanity. And when I stay in step with him, not only does he guide me in truth, but he guides me to work out this restrained strength patience so that I can have the relationship with the people that he's put in in my circle or my sphere of influence. So I want to ask you again this morning, are you brave enough to be a beginner? Are you brave enough to be a work in progress? Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work of producing fruit in your life? Because friends, simulated fruit, synthetic fruit, it could look good from the outside, but they're anchored in us. And they con consistently skew our focus to turn our heads back towards me and my wants and my behavior. And how can I do this? How can I produce my own fruit in my life? How can I strive to be better, to be blank? And they continually take our eyes off of the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who's willing to work out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and focus them back inward. And they breed exhaustion and brokenness and pain. And that's why I love that we have this reminder just after the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 verses 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, flesh sorry, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Are you willing to be a work in progress? Are you willing to live a life surrendered, a life that's step by step in step with the Holy Spirit? Because he's the one who produces the real fruit in our lives. And against those things, there is no law. So let's lean in. Let's allow him to do what only he can do. Let's not try to have, have Christian perfection lives that look good from the outside, but they're just full of synthetic fruit. Let's lean in. Let's live lives surrendered. Live lives in proximity with God. Live lives where we lean into the Holy Spirit and say, do what you need to do. You are the author and perfecter of my faith. Do what you need to do. Prune what needs to be pruned. Grow what needs to be grown. I surrender to you. Let's live those lives. Let's be brave enough to be surrendered newbies, to be budding beginners to be works in progress on this road of Christian maturity. Let's pray. So God, I thank you that you are able to produce fruit in our lives and you have promised to do so and you are always faithful to your promises. So would you remind us when we're tempted to produce synthetic fruit in our own lives, 
Pet, that's not what you've called us to. You've called us to something so much deeper and richer and fuller. You've called us to lean into you, to surrender, and to watch as you work out the miracle of righteousness and sanctification and looking more and more like you within our lives. And so would you help us to marvel with eyes full of wonder at how you walk us down this road of maturity as we continue to say yes, to fix our eyes on you. We love you in your precious name. Amen. I'm gonna pass you back to pastors Lucas and Marcus. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Lisa, for kind of walking us through what those first first four fruits of the Spirit are, and maybe sometimes what they're not also. And so we really just appreciate you for leading us in that. Um, we just have a couple announcements as we close today, and so I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor Lucas. Well, first off, uh, we are pre-recording it this at this time. And so uh, Lisa and myself and our family, we are actually not in town right now. We're taking some just rest and some reconnection with family. And so we just thank you, uh, we are on vacation. So as you come into the office this week, Marcus will be here. And so you'll be able to catch up with him, but uh, Lisa and myself, we are away. And um, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to get away. Yeah, and since we are pre-recording this, we are waiting on some uh, provincial health order updates as we get closer to that mm -hmm. June 15th date about uh, what the potential of in-person gatherings could look like for us this summer. Yeah. And so we just wanna encourage you to stay close to your emails, stay close to our social media, because that's where we're gonna be kind of blitzing all of the information as we hear it. And so just so you guys know, once we hear it, it will as fast as we can get to you guys. And so we wanna make sure that those lines of communication are tight so make sure you're watching those two places and if this is adding value to your journey of faith uh, we uh, we ask would you partner with us and uh, you can do that in a number of ways but the best way to just understand how you can give and partner with us financially would be to visit myevangel.church forward slash give and uh, thank you so much for joining us today guys enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy this week god bless you friends